for those of you who don't know me, my name is Allie Braun and I'm the Director of Special Projects at International Commission. And I'm so happy that you joined us this evening for the next hour for this equipping and enabling training. All of us at International Commission are very passionate about the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is what we keep in mind with each of our E and E trainings. We want you to participate. We want you to be equipped, encouraged, and enabled to share the gospel and make disciples. And we believe that the Great Commission is not optional. It is for every believer, everywhere, no matter how old, how young you are, and where you live. So I'm very excited to have Jill Odieni join us for tonight's fundraiser. Um, for tonight's training on fundraising. So a lot of people have different feelings about fundraising, which is why we wanted to address it tonight. Some people actually do find it fun and they say they put the fun in fundraising. Other people um, find it very intimidating or they like hate to ask people for money. They don't want to do it. They feel ill-equipped. So that's why we wanted to address it tonight because the Bible actually has a lot to say about fundraising. And it is very biblical, and if God has called you to do something, the Lord owns every penny in the entire world. He has just entrusted us to be a good steward of it. So we are going to learn all about that and more from Jill. So um, for those of you here and with us tonight, oh, and her cat will be joining us too. Maybe he has a few words to say about fundraising. Um, but I encourage you to have a pen and paper ready for tonight. You're probably going to need that as well as a Bible. So if you don't have that, go ahead and grab something nearby for you. Um, and we can go ahead and get started in just a minute. So a little bit about Jill. Jill has an extensive background in ministry, actually, and in nonprofit work. So she has worked as the director of Christian education and youth and as a campus staff minister for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. And she now serves as a mobilization coordinator for International Commission. And she's been with us for um, a little over a year, maybe a year and some change. She graduated from Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan in 2010 with her MDiv. And not only does Jill have her own career in ministry and thus makes her an excellent candidate to talk about fundraising, but she's also a pastor's kid. And her husband, Mark, is currently um, an MDiv student as well at Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, Texas. And fun fact about Jill, her and her husband, Mark, were married in January of this year, and they're expecting their first little baby early next year. So we're very happy for Jill, um, not just to have her as part of our team, and she is a valuable asset to the International Commission family, but I'm very excited to welcome her here to train you all tonight in fundraising. So welcome, Jill, and take it away. Thank you so much. And it's great to be here with all of you tonight. And I'm super excited to talk to you about something that a lot of people find very anxiety provoking. And I just want to start off this session with full disclosure. I used to be somebody who thought that fundraising was really anxiety provoking, and I still have my moments. Um, I am by no means an expert in doing any of this. But it's my hope that through this next hour that we share together, I can help you to alleviate any anxiety that you might feel, um, if for no other reason, because you'll realize that you're not alone in however you feel, whether you get super jazzed up about all of this, or whether you're just like, nope, fundraising is the last thing I want to do. Um, I want you to know that you're not alone. So Allie, if you want to go ahead and get started with the first slide, we'll just jump right in. All right, so it is my conviction that a lot of the anxiety that those of us who are living in the United States have around fundraising is because for us, it feels like begging. Uh, we feel like we should be either providing for this mission trip 
out of our own financial resources, or if you're like me and Allie, um, a portion of our actual salaries comes from the money that we fundraise. And we feel like we shouldn't have to do that. We feel like we shouldn't have to go to people and ask them for money. And we feel like all of the money that comes in our paycheck should be money that we somehow earned. Well, <laughs> newsflash, everybody earns their money somehow. And it just so happens that whether you're asking people for money to fundraise so that you can go on a mission trip or whether this is part of your career, um, that money is somehow being generated. Um, so it doesn't really matter what the source is, it's being generated from somewhere and trust me, you are earning it. Um, I wanna get into some of the other baggage that some of you might feel when you think about fundraising. So let's just take two minutes or so maybe and you all can unmute your mics and tell me what are the feelings that you have around fundraising or what are the obstacles that you feel like you have around fundraising? Um, I feel like it can be awkward. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Money is a touchy subject in general in our culture, and we just don't want to, we don't want to talk about it with those closest to us, and certainly not with those we don't really know. Definitely. We place a lot of money, uh, we place a lot of value on money, that is, here in the United States, when actually the reality of the situation is that money is value neutral. Um, it can be used to do both good and bad things. And money only has as much power as we give it. Um, so I think another one of the reasons why we have so many obstacles around fundraising here in the United States is because we are so affluent here in this country. And so we feel like, oh, I should be able to find the sources for this. After all, I only need $3,600 to go on this mission trip. I should be able to conjure that mm -hmm. somehow, right? When the reality is that for a lot of people, they don't have $3,600 in spare change sitting around, and yet they feel this conviction from the Holy Spirit to go on this mission trip. And it really makes my heart sad that they allow that $3,600 to stand in the way of them telling somebody in some part of the world somewhere about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to do everything I can to prevent that from happening. So let's go ahead and dive into these scripture passages. There are three listed here on your screen. But trust me, there are more. I picked three because we only have an hour. And if I had done every single one of them, we would be here for, oh, at least the next hour and a half, maybe even two. So <laughs> I picked the three that I thought were the most powerful. And the first one is Deuteronomy 18, three through five. The second one is Luke 8, one through four. And the third one is 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14. And so I'm going to read Deuteronomy 18, 3 through 5. And I'm going to make you feel awkward. And I'm going to call on you. <laughs> I'm going to make you read one of the passages. So Cal and Shar, I'd like you to read Luke 8, 1 through 4. And then JT Hillier, I'd like you to read 1 Corinthians mm -hmm. 9, 13 through 14. So pull out your Bible, your phone, whatever it is that you use, and turn to those passages. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 18, and this is Moses giving what is essentially his final sermon uh, to the Israelite people. And this is what he says. This is the share due the priest from the people who sacrifice a bull or a sheep the shoulder, the jowls, and the inner parts. 
you are to give them the first fruits of your grain. That is, they are to give the priest the first fruits of their grain. New wine and oil and the first wool from the shearing of your sheep. For the, for the Lord your God has chosen them, the priests, and their descendants out of all your tribes to stand and minister to the Lord in the Lord's name always. So this passage basically is Moses laying out the rationale for why the Levites, who are the priests, should earn a paycheck. That's what it is. And although you may not consider yourself a priest or a pastor, if you at any point in your life decide to do any kind of mission, you are standing right next to those priests and those pastors, and you deserve to be paid for the evangelistic work that you're doing, even if the payment that you're getting is not having to pay for that evangelistic mission trip or project out of your own pocket. So let's see, Callan Shar, I'm gonna have you read Luke 8, one through four. Okay. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. Okay, and then Jesus goes into another story, but I wanted you to see that this story uh, or this interlude occurs within something that Jesus is doing in his day-to-day -day life. And so in this particular passage, Luke mentions several women by name, who are supporting Jesus and the disciples out of their own earnings. And then Luke also throws in there for good measure that there were many others. And so the picture that we get in just these four verses is that Jesus and his disciples were having their ministry financially supported by many other people. And let's not forget here that Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God with skin on. And so because Jesus is God, Jesus has literally created the entire world. Jesus, as Psalm 50 says, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Don't you think if it were possible for anybody to magically generate financial resources out of nothing, it would have been Jesus? Yeah. And Jesus could have done that. And he could have literally single-handedly financed the entire three years of the ministry that he had with his disciples and the others who chose to follow him. But for whatever strange reason, he decided to generate the financial resources that he needed for his three years of, 33 years of life and three years of ministry here on this earth through the money that he raised through other people. And if you forget everything that we talk about in this hour together, but you remember one thing, I want you to remember this. If fundraising was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. All right? If fundraising was not beneath Jesus, who is the Son of God and God incarnate, then it can't be beneath us either. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 14. JT, you want to take that one for us? Absolutely. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Okay. 
So this is just two verses out of the entire ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians. And if you read this entire ninth chapter, the entire chapter is basically Paul's defense to the church in Corinth for this is why I should get paid for my work. Because the Corinthian church was saying, we're not going to pay you. We think it's weird that you're asking us for money. Uh, never mind the fact that Paul was not only the first missionary, he was the best one. Uh, there were still people in Paul's day who felt like he shouldn't get paid because he was so good at spreading the gospel through his known world at the time. So that should help us to realize that objections to getting paid for spreading the gospel are not new. And if somebody like the Apostle Paul had to defend his legitimacy for getting paid money to do this, then there may be times when we have to do that as well. So let's go on to the second slide. And there are a couple of tools that I want to give you for your own fundraising. There are so many tools out there. And really the best way to get into fundraising is to do it one-on-one -on -one with somebody who knows what they're doing. But because we only have an hour, these are the tools that I'm going to give you. The first thing that you should all do is go grab yourself a copy of this. The God Asked by Stephen Shadrach. It will help you to banish whatever anxieties you have, to help you overcome whatever obstacles you have, and give you a really good detailed framework for this is how you do fundraising, whether that's for a single mission trip or whether that's for part of your salary. And Stephen's main point that we should all do when it comes to any kind of fundraising is before you ask the person or the people for money, you should start by asking God to prepare the hearts of the person that you're going to ask. So we literally need to go to the Lord in prayer and say, Jesus, I really want to ask so-and-so for X amount for this mission trip that I plan on doing. Please begin to prepare their hearts to say yes to my request when I ask them. So my pithy statement that I use to summarize this is talk to them, talk to God about them before you talk to them about God or what God has laid on your heart or the money that you feel like God wants you to ask them for. Start with prayer always because that way, first of all, you're not surprised when they say yes, Second of all, you're not surprised if they say no, because if you talked to God about them and they still say no, there must be a really, really good reason for why they said no. And then the other two pieces of advice I have for you are, think about your fundraising list. Put together a list of people that you plan on praying about asking for money and people that you think have the potential to catch the vision for the mission that you want to do and will say yes when you ask them for money. And after you put that list together, you divide that list up into two basic parts, at least to start. And the first part is, you pick your low-hanging fruit. You imagine that all of these people you have the potential of asking are pieces of fruit hanging on your tree, and the low-hanging pieces of fruit are always the easy pieces of fruit to grab, right? So who are the people that you know who as soon as you ask them to support the mission that Jesus has laid on your heart will immediately say yes? 
And then before you even get to the second part of your list, you ask those low hanging fruit people. You see how far you can get towards your goal with those low hanging fruit people before you even approach the second part of your list. And the method behind my madness is fundraising is hard enough. You're already going to have, have enough personal anxiety, enough obstacles that you feel like are standing in your way. Satan is gonna stand in your way and let's not pretend that he's not. And it's already going to be hard enough the way it is. Why would you make it even harder on yourself by not starting with the easy people and letting the Lord get you jazzed up about all of these people who are saying yes, help you to build your confidence like, yep, I can do this. And then you move on to the harder people. But I want you to take about 30 seconds, grab your pen and paper right now, and I want you to, if you can, list five people or five families off the top of your head that are your low-hanging fruit. Who are the people that you have in your life right now who, if you ask them, you're about 80 to 90% sure they would say yes? Okay, first of all, were you able to do that? I see that Cal and Char have four. Anybody else want to hold up a number of fingers for how many they were able to come up with? Allie was able to come up for Bucky, for JT, for, okay. And you did that in 30 seconds or less. So those are your low hanging fruit. And if you're anything like me, you already have some idea of exactly how much money you want to ask them for. So you already know how much cash, so to speak, you're sitting on top of. The next list is a little bit harder because sometimes you do get through all of your low hanging fruit and you still haven't met your goal. So what do you do? You start praying about this second group of people where you're not nearly quite as sure whether or not they'll say yes when you set up an appointment with them and ask. But there's a good possibility. And here's another piece of advice that I'm going to fold into this. Do not say no for someone. As much as you can avoid it, do not say no for them without asking them first. Because some of the people you think are going to say no are going to say yes. So now I want you to take about 30 seconds and try to come up with five names of the people who are a little bit harder. And when you think about asking them, your anxiety goes up a little bit. Okay, were you able to do it? How many did you come up with? Two, okay, two, three, and it looks like Jakey is holding up four. All right, you keep those people in reserve and you keep praying about them and for them. And who knows, maybe one of these days when you're in the middle of your fundraising, Jesus will tell you, you know what, Allie, go make this phone call right now. 
I know you're a little anxious, but go make this phone call. And you make this phone call to set up an appointment with that person. Those people are called your reachers. And in all probability, you will have some reachers who donate to your mission who really surprise you. All right, the next slide. How do I start continued? First of all, whatever you do with your fundraising, it is so important to meet with people in person if you can and make a direct ask to them. I know that's really hard during a pandemic. Um, so do it over video if that's all you feel comfortable doing, but do it in person as much as you possibly can because it is so much harder psychologically for somebody to say no to your actual face. Secondly, you make a specific ask. You already have in mind a number that you want to ask for for that person and you say, so-and-so, thank you so much for catching the mission for my vision, for my desire to go to Nepal in September, and I would like to ask you for $500. And then you shut up. And you wait for them to respond. And your anxiety reaction is going to be, I need to fill this silence with something. You don't. You wait for them to give you a verbal response. Now in this appointment presentation that you've set up with this person, make it something that you're comfortable with. If you like great videos, come up with a great video. If you like simply sharing your story of how you felt the Lord's conviction for you to go to this place, share your story. If you like PowerPoints, share a PowerPoint. Whatever it is, figure out what it is in the presentation where you make the ask that makes you feel comfortable. Make this appointment fit your personality. And I'll tell you another secret. If they agree to the appointment and they don't say no outright, then there is a very, very good chance that they will say yes when you ask them for whatever that specific amount is. But make this appointment fit your personality because if you are uncomfortable with whatever you're presenting, they're going to feel that uncomfortable feeling, even if they're not quite sure what it is that they're reacting or responding to. So, it may be that you're working with somebody who is a whiz in fundraising. If they suggest something that makes you uncomfortable, don't use it right away. Work yourself into it if they really think that it's super amazing. Um, but come up with a presentation that you're comfortable with. Give yourself permission in every single contact with people to make an ask. And the way I do that personally is that before I even make an appointment with somebody and I'm just thinking, oh, I really think the Lord wants me to ask this specific person, I text them. And I, and I say something like, hi, so-and-so, this is Jill Vandezand Odiani, and I'm texting you because I want to get together with you to talk about the work that I do with the International Commission. Part of my salary is supported by financial support from ministry partners like you, and I would love to talk with you about this. Let me know if this is something you're interested in. That text message does two things for me. Number one, because I'm an introvert who hates small talk, it gives me permission to initiate a conversation with that person. Number two, it gets my number in their phone. Because if they're anything like me, they don't pick up numbers that they don't recognize, right? So three days later or a week later, whenever I've got the time, when I actually call them 
And yes, you have to actually call them. You have to talk to them. They recognize that number in their phone from the text that I sent them beforehand. So I want you to brainstorm and then shout out into the room. What do you need to do to give yourself permission? Because that's huge. If you can land on whatever that is, oh, the rest of your job will be so much easier. And I'm gonna make you awkward and I'm gonna make you actually verbalize it out loud into the room. Put words to it. I, have I would to say, go ahead. I would have to believe that my mission is important enough for other people to support. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you, you need to get over whatever it is that's preventing you from doing that. I am not asking someone for money. I am inviting someone to join me on mission. Mm, great. That's good. Yeah. That's real good, Bucky. Yeah. Anybody else? All right. My piece of permission is, like I said, the text messaging for the initial contact and telling myself over and over again that you are worthy of this. You are worthy of however much money you happen to be asking this person for. This is literally the way you make your livelihood. And then I no longer feel guilty. The last two things go together, but even if you get really jazzed up about fundraising, and I actually do, I get into this zone where I just sort of keep rolling. You have to keep track of what you're doing. Use a spreadsheet, use a piece of paper, whatever it is so that you know who the person is that you contacted, when you contacted them, what their response was, if any, and when you need to contact them again. Keep track of what you're doing and hold yourself accountable. That means bringing at least one other person into this equation so that you can go to them and you can say, so-and-so, I sent five texts this week, I made five phone calls, and I have one appointment on the calendar for next week. You need to tell somebody else, because even if you get super jazzed up about fundraising, trust me, you cannot sustain that energy on your own for the long term. So find somebody else, and if they're awkward about hearing about your financial life, well, you can help make them less awkward. <laughs> and this is just all part of overcoming those obstacles that we have when it comes to fundraising. All right, next slide. What if they say no? What if one of the people you really thought was going to say yes, or even one of your reachers says no? What do you do? Well, first of all, there are a variety of reasons why people say no. First of all, they may not realize that fundraising is biblical. They may be in the American mindset where they think, you should be able to scrounge up $3,600 all by yourself. What are you doing? And they don't understand that you are worthy of the wage that you are asking to be paid for this mission trip. You can do what you can to educate them by showing them the passages that I gave you or showing them others. Some people can be educated, some can't. Uh, they may literally not have the money. This is especially true as we live through the pandemic. It has changed people's financial resources drastically. If they come back at you and say, Jill, I really don't have the money. Your response to that should always be, I completely understand. 
do you think that there will be in the time in a time in the future when that changes and can I get back to you? And every time you ask a direct question like that, you pause and you wait for their response, whatever it is. It's possible that if they're Christians, their money is already going somewhere else. If that's the case, that's fabulous. My response to that is always, I am so glad to hear that and please do not ever stop giving your money where you're giving it because whatever they're giving it to is advancing the cause of the gospel in some regard. But then the next part of the thing that I say is if you ever have extra that the Lord has blessed you with, I would really appreciate it if you would think about giving that to me. There's no pressure, but I would really appreciate it if you would think about giving that to me. And then keep that, keep that person or those people on your list and revisit this money conversation with them six months or a year from now. And that includes the people who initially say they don't have the money. Uh, revisit that conversation with them in six months or a year from now. You never know what might change. And above all of this, remember, it is not about you. Because if you truly have prayed for this person, if you have talked to God about asking this person, and they still said no, there must be a really, really good reason for why they said no. And it may not be a reason that they're comfortable sharing with you, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that their reason is malicious. They're just not comfortable sharing it with you. Personally, there are a lot of situations in which I actually like getting a no, because these are usually people that you've had to chase down for quite a while, and it ends up really taking up a lot of your time, which is okay, but that can be draining from time to time. So when I finally get a no out of this particular person, it almost feels like, okay, good. I can move on from this person for a while to the next people on my list and revisit them later if I need to. So try not to look at it as something final. It is always something that you can revisit. A no is never final unless the person tells you it's final. It's always something you can revisit and use it as God's permission of, you can move on from this for now. I might bring you back here, but for now you can move on to this. All right, and the next slide. How do I finish? It's old, it's antiquated, and there aren't very many people who like to do this either, but write people a handwritten thank you note and put it in the mail because people don't do that anymore, which is gonna make your note stand out even more. It doesn't matter if they gave you $5 or 5,000, you send them a handwritten thank you note. When your mission trip or your evangelistic project is over and you're back stateside, send them a one-page written report about all of the cool things that you were able to do because the Spirit of God was moving wherever you were. Don't just leave them hanging. They invested in your mission. They want to know what happened. If you're going somewhere where it's safe to send updates from the field, send those updates from the field. These people believe in you and they believe in what you're doing. Don't leave them hanging. And finally, pray for them. While you're on your mission trip, when you come home, before you leave, Pray for them and continue to cultivate that relationship that you have with them through prayer and with actually getting together and meeting in person. Again, 
don't leave them hanging. Um, first of all, because it's just not nice. They're people too, they're not an ATM. But second of all, you never know when you're gonna need them again because Jesus is telling you to do something else. And it really doesn't matter when you send out those thank you notes or when you send out that final update. You may think, oh, I have waited entirely too long. I may as well not do it. It's gonna be so embarrassing. Yeah, maybe, do it anyway. Because some kind of a thank you note or some kind of a final update is better than nothing at all. Mm. All right, so that is your crash course in fundraising, whether you're raising $3,600 or $36,000 or more. And uh, I think we have a few minutes for questions. We do. Any questions? Do you have suggestions for how to keep track of your contact and follow-ups? Yeah, I actually have a spreadsheet that I redesigned from my work with InterVarsity where I can list in a separate column, this is when I last made contact with this person and this is what the result of that communication was. Um, and then if you want, you can add another column of this is when I next need to make contact with them again. Um, and that means revisiting your spreadsheet on a weekly or even more frequent basis. Um, it's not fancy, but it's a spreadsheet and it works for me. Jill, would you say you should only ask Christians when you're support raising for money? No, I, I wouldn't. It's certainly easier because you can help them to catch the vision for the mission that Jesus is calling you to go on, but I would not uh, immediately out of hand eliminate non-Christians because the people that say yes when you're asking them for money are going to fall into one of two categories, very possibly both. They believe in what Jesus is calling you to do or they believe in you. And the non-Christians who believe in you simply because they think you're such a swell person mm -hmm. are going to say yes, simply because they believe in you. Um, so for the people who fall into that category, ask them anyway. And pray that they would come to know Jesus through what you're doing or what somebody else is doing. You never know. Everything you shared was very quality information. Um, it sounds very like in your face, like what you have taught us tonight is you have to ask individuals face to face. So do you have anything against like selling t-shirts and having a bake sale or a spaghetti dinner party? Cause you didn't mention anything mm -hmm. like that. And that kind of sounds comfortable to me. So right. what would you say to people who want to do those kind of fundraisers? Right. Okay. No, I have nothing against spaghetti dinners or t-shirts or bake sales or anything <laughs> like that. I really don't. And in fact, when I was initially raising my salary for InterVarsity, I did a dessert reception with a whole bunch of people where I told them about the work that I was going to do. And we all ate dessert and had a great time. Um, and at the end of that night, I raised $10,000. Um, but here are the drawbacks to that. Uh, there are two. First of all, after something like that, you're gonna be buried in thank you follow-up for quite a while. And it's gonna be challenging for you to keep on going forward with your list and keep on following up with those people. That's minor, but it is a drawback. Uh, the second drawback is that very seldom, if ever, will large events get you from the starting line to the finish line. Um, and that's what we want. I mean, we really do, but it very seldom works out that way. And so my advice is use it as a tool in your toolbox 
but don't use that as your only tool because it's no coincidence that you're scared of asking people face to face for money and yet that's exactly what Jesus is asking you to do. If you can't ask people face to face for money, then even sharing the gospel with strangers and letting them reject you and Jesus Christ along the way is going to be difficult. So when we ask people face to face for money, it's not only helping us to confront a very normal, real fear that we all have, it's helping us to literally hone our evangelism skills. We have Kumar who um, is joining us from India tonight, and he was asking about making a fundraising account over social media. So do you have any recommendations for different sites where people do use fundraising and is that effective? Is that something that people can utilize? Yeah, you can use fundraising accounts like Facebook or GoFundMe. Um, be aware though that a lot of times those profiles will uh, take a certain percentage of whatever people donate on your behalf. And sometimes you'll have to check the terms and conditions. Sometimes the money that people donate isn't tax deductible. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but you need to check on that because another common powerful motivator for people donating to your mission is that they get a tax deduction from that. And some people won't donate if they know they're not getting a tax deduction. And again, it can be a useful tool in your toolbox to do something like social media fundraising, but it is very seldom going to get you from the starting line to the finish line. That's great. Thank you, that's a good, mm -hmm. that's a good word. Does anyone have any other questions? That was great information, Jill. I especially like the Bible verses. And like you said, I know there are many more verses throughout scripture that back up the fact that asking someone to join you, um, financially speaking, to advance the kingdom is biblical. Um, Nehemiah is a great book of the Bible that um, shows that very easily where Nehemiah went and asked the king to um, allow him to go and rebuild the temple. And the king asked him very specific questions and wanted a report back and he allowed him to do that. So not only is the book of Nehemiah an excellent book regarding um, support raising, but there's many other verses. So yes, if you have not already read the book, The God Ask, or if you have um, whether a mission trip coming up or you want to go into full-time ministry or have to do some other work where you have to raise support, start with the God ask. That will answer all of your questions. It will empower you. It will encourage you. You'll be inspired. Um, you won't think fundraising is very scary. Even if you've already read the book, read it again if you need um, a refresher or you need a little, um, another boost to um, ask some people. So yes, Jill, thank you so much for bringing up that book and for everything that you shared with us this evening. Yeah. Thank you. So um, we didn't get to practice anything necessarily asking each other tonight, but Jill did give a lot of great recommendations. You have a list of a few names at least to start with for right now. So again, don't talk to men about God unless you talk to God about man first. Start everything with prayer. And just as a reminder, like we always end with is, the Great Commission is not optional. So if God has called you to do something and you need money to do that thing, Jesus will provide. This is not, um, yeah, it's not a recommendation. It's not an option. We have to do what God has called us to do in response and obedience. And so just as God has provided everything in your life up until today, be encouraged and reminded that he will provide the dollars that you need to go or to serve or to help. So we only have two more E&E trainings before the end of the year. It's so hard to believe it that it's already the end of November, but we have two more great 
high quality trainings that we would love for you to join us. Um, in two more weeks, we are going to be training on are short-term mission trips worth it? There's a lot of different questions, ideas, and opinions regarding short-term mission trips. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but spoiler alert, they are biblical. So believe it or not, short-term mission trips are biblical. So we're going to be answering a lot of different questions regarding short-term mission trips. And then our final e, e training is called the call. So we throw around this Christian word of calling or called or not called. I'm called to this. I'm not called to that. But what does the Bible say about it? Does Jesus address being called or not called? And how do you even know whether you're called to something? So we're going to be answering all those questions and we're going to give you some really helpful and applicable tools to know what it is to be called or not called. So do not miss these final E&E trainings for this year. You can register now on our website, internationalcommission.org. Click on events and then training. We would love to have you join us for these final E&E trainings. So before we go, um, like we always do with these trainings, we want to be praying for the lost. God has given us the Great Commission to reach unbelievers and to make disciples. So put in the chat right now one person you know that you want to be praying for and that we can pray for that will come to know Christ. So put that name in the chat right now. And Jill, I'm going to ask you to pray over these names. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite verses is, um, I want to say Isaiah 55, one, maybe it's 59, one in the fifties. Um, Isaiah 59, one, I'm going to go with that, but it says the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. And I love that verse because it's a reminder that no one is too far away from the Lord. His arm is not too short to save. His ear is not too dull to hear. So we need to approach the throne of grace with confidence and bring these people before the Lord and ask God to open up their eyes and ears and hearts to receive the gospel. So don't stop praying for those people in your life. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this time and we pray that you would use this time to make us fearless for the gospel. And that includes being fearless when it comes to asking people for money. Jesus, we pray that you would make us fearless with these people in our lives who do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. We pray for Scott and Bailey and Kelsey, and Laura and Keith, and Rajesh Kant. Lord, you love all of these people. You love the world. And you love these people even more than we do. And so we pray that you would place the right people in their lives at the right time to tell them about you and that they would be open to giving over their lives to you as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.